I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Detroit Lions podcast. This is Bischoff and Brown. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. I'm Russ Brown. With me, as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, Scott Bischoff. My man, how are you? I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. I mean, I'm good. It's good. Wednesday. It's Wednesday night. Uh, fresh off a Lions loss. I think we got some things bottled up here that we want to get off our chest. And then uh, obviously we're going to talk a little bit about Atlanta. And uh, uh, I'm thinking we, we may want to keep some of these things to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, look, the first episode was a success. We had a lot of great responses, a lot of views. Uh, so we see the comments. We see people rating and reviewing and subscribing to the podcast. So please keep doing that over at Detroit Lions Podcast on YouTube. Also, really, wherever you get your podcasts on any audio platform. But uh, I, I think this is one, like, we just have to speak our mind. And, I mean, we are both football coaches, obviously not in the NFL, in the NFL or in college. But, like, we understand coach speak and we understand philosophies in the mindset of a coach and getting caught up in certain moments. But I, I think and I think that's where I want to start. And again, people understand we don't have a format to this show. Like we just, me and Scott, we just talk ball and it's just always been that way. And and um, it's just the way we roll. So I think that's where I want to start is just like Dan Campbell. We, we kind of talked about a pre-show like aggressive, overly aggressive, and then gets really passive and like just kind of sits on the fence of like, uh, I'm going to take this game to overtime. I could win it with the touchdown. The play calling kind of got sketchy at the end there. The pace of play was sketchy at the end, but ultimately the Lions went one for three on fourth down. And I don't know which fourth down attempt you want to start with, uh, but I guess we'll start with the big one, the, the end of the game uh, where they, you know, the, the pace of play at the end. I mean, it, how do, how were you feeling sitting there on the couch, wherever you were at watching the game? Looking at that, a minute forty four to go, fifty yard line, three timeouts. You had to. I, I mean, I felt like okay, they're going to score a touchdown. We're going to win this thing. I did too. And I, so they with a minute forty four, you throw a twelve yard uh, in break. So I mean, at, th- at this point, it's like you know the in breaking stuff. Golf is just he's great at that. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, throws a twelve yard pass, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have a timeout. We're going to have like. Minute 35, whatever it was. And 
they stroll up to the line of scrimmage and I'm, I'm thinking, what are they doing? Then I run another play and it's like a 10 yard gain. And same thing, like, all right, let's get a timeout. Cause now you're, now you're down to like, I want to say they were down to maybe their 28 or 20, maybe it's an 11 yard game, whatever it was. You're down to the inside the 30 and it's still no timeout. And I'm thinking I'm confused and I still am. So it's one of those things where I don't want to, you know, I don't want to crush them or anybody really because I don't have any answers like that. But it's confusing. It's a confusing thing to do to go for it in, in other ways and other situations and then just be so passive and almost, I know it's intentional, like, like, all right, let's settle for overtime. But, you know, I think it, I think when you throw the first completion, settling for overtime has to go out the window, go in the game. And those were, those were my thoughts is they're going to, like you just said, like I, they're going to win this game, you know, at the buzzer and it's going to be it's going to be one of those games that we look back and think yeah they were the better team uh injuries were just brutal but still a win's a win let's move on yep. you know um but they just seemed to settle they it seemed like they and i, I you know i've heard some people kind of give excuses to when the, the short pass was completed i think it was to gibbs they had to settle for a field goal but the decision was already made you're already burned 40 seconds off the clock you know, like I, it was really confusing. Yeah. And I think, and, and like people have been commenting and all this stuff, because I wrote an article about the gambles from Dan Campbell are, you know, part of what cost him that game. I get it. Dan Campbell didn't throw a pick six. Dan Campbell's not David Montgomery and fumbling the football away. He's not Amin Ross St. Brown and fumbling a football at the end of the half. I understand it, but. He went for it on fourth down two other times prior to that drive and or prior to the drive before. The, the drive before is where they scored and it made it a three-point game. But yeah. it's it's one of those like you are aggressive all the time and you're going for it on fourth down. Second drive of the game, it's third and one. You're at like the 25 or the 30 or wherever you're at on Seattle's. You have a three-yard loss. It's a long fourth and four. And you come out there and go for it, and you could have taken potentially three points and gone up 10 to seven, and that three points would have made a difference at the end of the day. And it's one of those situations like, okay, you got aggressive there and it burnt you. You didn't get the points in a league where it's so hard to score. And then you look at this final drive and the pace of play is not there. And I think of like just coaching kids at the levels that we coach football and how they panic over little things. And I get it. These are NFL football players have been doing it forever and they're millionaires. But like, if it was me, I feel like I would have in that situation, I would have been panicked as a quarterback, as a, as a pass catcher, whatever. When I'm noticing, Hey, we're not taking a timeout. I can't gather myself. I feel like I have to kind of hurry my route, hurry my process and catching a ball, throwing a ball, whatever. And that ultimately led to them having to settle for three because they didn't even use all their timeouts. And it's like, yeah, they going- left timeouts on the board. They, um, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, on third down or second down or whatever is just, just to chuck the ball into the end zone to try to score. Yeah. I think we're both on, on the same page though. With a minute 44 after you complete the 12 yard gain, stop the clock. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, again, I don't have any of uh, some of this stuff is bigger picture and stuff that, I am unaware of um, tempo. Sometimes when you get into tempo, 
you know, like you stay in tempo and it's a good thing. Stopping the clock is potentially, it might hurt you. Yeah. But then hurry up. Like, don't just sit around and let 20 seconds roll off the clock just because you settle for, that is to the point. They settled for a field goal when they had, uh, you know, you took the, you got the ball at midfield with a minute 44. It's plenty of time to score a touchdown. And they really, it just didn't seem like they wanted to. Which to me is super frustrating. And uh, Campbell's done this in the past where I think he's learned from the way he's he's coached. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is one of those games where he's gonna he's gonna learn from making a decision about a drive but before the drive starts. Like, hey, it's cool if we settle for a field goal, so that's the goal. Well, right. not anymore because you've got two big chunk plays. And there's like a minute and there could have been like a minute and 20 on the clock with one more timeout from the Seattle 28. I think it was. Yep. You could have had a minute and 20 or so in that range. Yeah. And, uh, and you're close. You can still clock it. You, I mean, there's so many options that you can do. And, yeah. and, and I don't mean to cut you off, but like in oh, addition, in, in addition to it, it's like you have one of the best play callers in football. It's recognized in the media, across the league, from your staff, from your players. That gave, that would have gave him an extra thirty seconds to a minute to gather his thoughts and maybe find the best play call to get them into the end zone. Maybe not right then and there, but in a play or two. But it also like if you if you didn't want to take the timeout, pick up the tempo and prevent Seattle from getting some of those rookies or inexperienced players in those moments, like Kobe Bryant and Devin Witherspoon and those types of players. Make sure that they're on the field and. Yeah. By just going slow, they were able to sub guys in and out, get fresh pass rushers. I mean, they're known for their pass rushers. That's who they are. They've got Darrell Taylor. They've got Boye Mafi. You're a guy. They've got all kinds of guys that they can bring and package in. And you let them do that. And I think that's what causes things like incompletions. And and just it just was such a poor, mismanaged game, I thought, from Dan Campbell with fourth downs and then that last drive. And I get it. He's not the one out there making the plays, but he's out there calling the plays and getting guys in position to make those plays. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Some of that, you know, uh, know, I don't know who, who, it's not that we're pointing fingers. It's just, we're just asking questions kind of people, right? Like, um, (laughs) And, and truthfully, like these are questions I would I would I would ask. Like, why um on on defense, why why are you running contained so much? I understand if it's Kansas City, because you don't want Mahomes leaving the pocket. I totally get it. And Geno Smith is a good quarterback. He is, and they have weapons. So it's, I mean, we're not I'm not saying this is easy stuff because Seattle's a good football team. They're a really good football team. And that offense is kind of loaded. Um, but the game plan itself, we talked openly last week about how we expected the Lions to pressure the shit out of Geno Smith 
Like we did. And no sacks, nothing. Like it just seemed like again, like they were more interested in um other parts of the game than they were getting than they were pressure. You know, like we talked about James Houston running with the wheel route down the sideline. Confusing. Uh that's not a that's not a place where I would think that it would be smart to play him. Now look li- now listen, everybody. Aaron Glenn knows what he's doing. So I'm not, you know, I I'm not saying that Scott Bischoff, nobody gives a shit. But it's confusing the the Aaron Glenn down the side. I mean the uh the James Houston running with Noah Font in a wheel route down the sideline is not it's not the best use of what he does well. Mm-hmm. Uh dropping Charles Harris off the line of scrimmage that like they did multiple times to me is just not that's not at all what, what he does well. And it's a little bit like why? What you know, uh, I would have I would wonder I would I would ask questions about that because that's also something that I find a little bit confusing. Like we're not you're generating no pressure at all. And on top of that, we're pulling people away. Like James Houston is a really good pass rusher. He should be rushing the passer, not running with a pretty elite uh, athlete as a tight end. I just don't think he should. No, I, I agree. For uh, for another time, but like it's confusing. They got to figure know, it out. It it is confusing, and it's one of those like it's like, and I get it. You had some injuries. Kirby Joseph got banged up. Gardner Johnson, as we know, is done for the year, probably with the torn pectoral. Which is unfortunate because he's such a damn good tackler. Like they're gonna miss that on the back end of that secondary, unless Brian Branch really shows out or somebody can really step up like Tracy Walker. Which maybe I'm rooting for Tracy, but yeah, I, I just to me it kind of felt like there's maybe a reason why he hasn't been on the field as much this year so far because Gardner Johnson was just better. But again, I digress. But I, I you know, and I get it. Like I'm with you. Nobody really gives a shit about what we say, but at the same time, it's like Aaron Glenn does deserve to be kind of ridiculed and finger pointed at because he's been here for a while now and the results have really been the same. And you're not getting a lot of pressure from anybody on that defensive line outside of Aiden Hutchinson. And he's a one man, like he's a one man show right now. And now that Gardner Johnson is gone, he's the best player on that defense. And he's going to have to do this all by himself because the way it's looking with this cover one man scheme that we're running. No, they're never going to blitz anybody because Alex Anzalone's got to take a running back out of the backfield. You got to take James Houston, who's a pass rusher. Who, by the way, when he transferred to Jackson State, Deion Sanders and that coaching staff said, "You're not an outside linebacker. You're an edge rusher. You're going to stand up and go get us pressures." And that's what they did. Yeah. And that's what we did last year with him halfway through the year, and he ended up with the second most sacks on the season for this team. And now you're lining him up over a four a four five tight end in Noah Fan. Like it to me, it's just mind blowing and. I again, I don't know what the answer is outside of that. I would run more zone coverage and I would I would be showing my inside linebackers to maybe sugar the A gaps and they would back out and have kind of mid hook drops. I'd be looking at more flat coverage with outside backers and kind of having that, you know, a, a cover three, a cover four, something like that. You have the versatility within your secondary to run a little bit more cover three and cover four, not so much man to man stuff. So So I, maybe I'm helping paint. It's possible. Anything is possible. But like I last year, the same stuff happened. Like the beginning of the year, they couldn't, they weren't generating pressure. Right. And then all of a sudden, boom, they had like a two month stretch where they got lots of pressure. 
And it's like, but here we are again, no pressure. Yeah. So what did we do last year to change it all around? And I know that last year there was some stuff with, with, with Aubrey Pleasant and, you know, um, them kind of simplifying their scheme mm-hmm. uh, because, because of personnel. If Tracy Walker gets hurt, you kind of have to limit what you do on the back end and, and blitz a little more. Now, I don't have numbers to back any of this stuff up. That's why, you know, maybe I am delusional, but I, oh, you're right. Post game stuff, and it, they, they did get productive pressuring the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But right now, they're just choosing not to do that. Why? I don't know. We, again, like you mentioned, week one, I could understand it. Against Patrick Mahomes, you have to play a little bit more conservative approach on defense. You have to rush three or four and drop seven or eight guys back. But a week ago, I watched the Rams bring three defensive linemen consistently. And I get it. One is Aaron Donald, one of the best interior defensive yeah. linemen of all time. But they're rushing three guys. And then they would blitz maybe one or two guys off the edge. And it it made life hell for Geno Smith specifically in that second half. And I would like to assume that the Lions would have watched that tape and took something out of it. But we came out with the same stuff that we've seen, like we mentioned, from the start of last year. And then it got better as the year went on. And it's just like, I don't know if we go to like the basics of football to start the year and then start branching out and start doing different things. But like you took Jack Campbell 18th. I don't know how many snaps he played. I think he might have played 18 to 20 snaps this past weekend. I'm sorry, that's not enough for a first-round linebacker, especially when you're not getting pressure. So maybe you take a DB off and you put him in the middle and you start blitzing him because Benito Jones, no offense, he's not getting it done as an interior pass rusher. Maybe Isaiah Bugs can get it done. I don't know, but it's discouraging. Martin too. I mean, you know, he's a big body. I don't don't expect him to to generate much in terms of, Pass rush productivity, but I can promise he will eat space and possibly command more than one blocker, mm-hmm. uh, which which will create run throughs kind of stuff. Yep. We have let's talk about something positive. What did we? What? <laughs> well, the only the, the only perception <laughs> I know. Well, the only positive is on the offensive side, right? I mean, the offense is clicking. The offense can score. We've seen it. You know, twenty one points a week ago, thirty one points this past weekend. Jared Goff. 393 pass attempts without an interception until obviously one that was costly, no doubt about it. But he played phenomenal last this past weekend. I mean, at the first half, he was ridiculous, right? Was ridiculous. Yeah, so so efficient, and his chemistry with Amonra St. Brown is so good, and so early with Sam Laporta right now, it's so good. But we've got injuries. St. Brown is is banged up. Montgomery is banged up. Taylor Decker is banged up. Vitai is banged up. Uh, Frank Ragnall's got basically no toes on his feet, so he's banged up all the time. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's ugly. Kirby Joseph is hurt. Um, obviously, CJ Gardner Johnson, but like up front, Vitai, Decker, uh, Ragnall's got just a rest day. So I, I mean, I, I don't think that's really a right. thing at this point in time. But I don't know what they're going to do with Vitai. Obviously, I shouldn't say that. I know what they're going to do with Vitai. Uh, Gla- Graham Glasgow's going to start a right guard for them. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice signing that you know they can go there with him. So I expect them to be okay up front. But you know, Goff's. You mentioned that the chemistry with with Amon Ra, but also with Reynolds too. Yeah, like they're they're vibing, and yep. and Laporta looks like um he looks like he's just dangerous with the ball in his hands, 
and difficult to get to the ground, which is, it's nice to see. I mean, I think he has 10 catches for 100 yards, something like that, through two games. That's pretty productive for a, a tight end in year one. So, yeah, I'm with you. The offense, the offense looks explosive. The Montgomery injury sucks. Yeah. Um, he was going to be, it'll be really interesting now to see how they pivot from that and what they do with Gibbs and how they, how they approach what they want to do running the ball with Bam Knight, Craig Reynolds, and then the Gibbs sort of, I don't know what you're expecting, but I'm thinking six to 10 carries and six, five to seven catches kind of a week kind of thing, which I, I know I can feel, oh, I can feel the eye rolling in the, in, in the, uh, I can feel it, the rage. Yeah. You took a guy at 12, we got to get 12 touches to, but he's not, right now, he's not, he, they, they just don't trust him in two ways to me, uh, in the pass pro. And they want to, I think they're trying to reduce the amount of contact that he takes by yes. running in between the tackles, mm-hmm. but you may just have to. And just like unleash him. I kind of hope so because I think he's get he could do really good things. But you know, um, we'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. But on the on offense, they look really good. They're 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 a really good offense. They really are. We should still be. You know, we were really positive last week. We should still be positive. Yeah, this loss sucks. Uh, and we both talked about being disappointed if they lost. This is a disappointing loss. A hundred percent. And I, and again, I think I think just what makes it worse is like you can take a loss. We're Lions fans. We've we've been down this road. But I think what what makes it worse is just the injuries. And it's like, okay, where do yeah. we turn to now? You know, we, our our bench is deep, but it's not that deep. And it's like, okay, uh, a couple more injuries, we're we're gonna go on a losing streak here. So I we'll see. I mean, they're they're well coached. It's just how they are. And Dan Campbell can get these guys going. And maybe a guy like Bam Knight's gonna want to prove himself. And maybe it's kind of a blessing in disguise that he gets an opportunity to come up and, and get some touches. And I would expect yeah. a lot of zone runs with him. I mean, he's really good at outside zone, uh, yeah. just from from watching him with the Jets. So maybe we'll see some of that stuff where he can can kind of read and 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 stretch those runs and then make that break inside or, or bounce it outside, whatever he wants to do. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on Gibbs. I mean, I, I would be surprised if he suddenly became a 20 to 25 touch player. Now that Montgomery's out, I doubt yeah, it. Yeah, it, yeah. It just, I don't think that's a great idea. I don't think you know? so either. And I and I yeah. think it's I'm with you. You he he takes on contact very well. He breaks a lot of tackles. He misses. He makes guys miss. But that's going to catch up with a, a smaller type of back. And he is a smaller type of back. He's strong and yeah. very very quick, but. It's going to catch up with a guy like that. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. I, my biggest concern is St. Brown. Like, if he goes down, I'm, I'm worried because his ability in the short areas of the field is very good. And I like Sam Laporta, but I don't want to rely on just a rookie tight end. No, no I, I mean, Amon Ra's got the turf toe, and I just said it's going to linger. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but those, those kind of, I mean, it's your foot. You know, it's a, it's a toe. You're kind of, it's a big deal. Especially at receiver. Um, yeah, kind of. You know, so that's a that's a potentially. I mean, it's one to watch, right? And he he seemed to kind of get through it and play through it, but it's it's definitely something that could limit some things for them. But but golf is playing so well right now, and I you know when the trade happens, I'm not going to say I was not a golf guy, but um, 
because I view them as still having some, it's, I, probably a little late in this to get into this, but I'll just be super brief. Because he was with McVeigh and McVeigh really didn't allow him to really learn. Uh, you know, you remember what he used to call plays for him and all that stuff. And yeah. they would turn out. So I don't, I'm not, I don't know that Goff coming here was a fully developed quarterback. And obviously, the Lions have gotten him, you know, to grow as a player. And he is what he is now because they forced him to take on some things. And you know, I think he's playing to a to, at a level that's high enough that he should be able to carry them. Now that doesn't mean that you know he's going to be slinging it 50 times and all over the place like Stafford used to. But it, but it is, there is an element of control that you give him within the offense as long as a guy like Amon Ra is still around. He can help them move the chains, that kind of stuff. So uh, you nailed it with, with the Amon Ra concern with the injury. Like that's, that's one of those ones that I look at and think that one could be a big one. Yeah. No, it, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, he didn't practice yet this week, so... Hopefully he's able to go. I'm assuming he's going to be able to go, but we'll see. I mean, maybe we'll see a little bit more Khalif Raymond. Uh, and and again, we still have JMO waiting in the wings. I think a lot of people forget about him, but we got to go yeah. four weeks. So hopefully St. Brown can can hang on for at least four weeks. Let's move into the Atlanta Falcons. There's nothing we can change about a loss to Seattle. I We can you know talk briefly on Atlanta. We don't have a lot of time left in our recording, but... Uh, Desmond Ritter, Tyler Algier, Bijan Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts and company, just some, some of their big names offensively are coming to town. And, yeah. uh, what's your expectation here? I mean, Desmond Ritter off to a, a decent start. Bijan looks good. I mean, what's the expectation offensively uh, and really defensively? Bijan looks ridiculous as advertised and as you would expect, right? So he, he's a nightmare. He's a dangerous player, but they're going to run the ball a lot, but Tyler Algier too. Um, Drake London's a dangerous player. They're just not really using them all that much. Kyle Pitts really needs to be lobbying to get, to get out of there. You know, there's so many times that we're on film. He's just like, hey, I'm open, you know? Um, so I'd be, you know, their offense is a little more dangerous than I think people are giving them credit for, but they're also held back a little bit by Ritter. And defensively, you know, they have Grady Jarrett, they have Javon Hargrave, they have Calais Campbell, they have um, Abiketti. Dangerous defensive line. They have some some decent linebackers. They have Jesse Bates, the safety, who's who's playing really well. A.J. Terrell's a really good corner, like really good corner. Jeff Okuda is, uh, I think he's got a foot injury right now. Yeah. I'm not sure what his status is for, for game day, but... You know, the Falcons are a little better than I think even a, like what I would have done a month ago looking at the schedule or six weeks ago is I would have put a W <laughs> next to the Atlanta game. Yeah. And I'm go I don't know right now. So I guess that's where I am with them. No, I'm with you. I think it's gonna be a, a lot tougher of a game than people are gonna probably give credit for to Atlanta. I mean, you mentioned some of the guys that they have offensively and you know, they're not really using Drake London all that often right now. And really their leading receiver outside of Bijan with 10 receptions is Mac Hollins. So we'll kind of see what happens there. And if if Hollins is going to get a lot of number two looks with Jerry Jacobs, he might go off this weekend just simply because Jerry Jacobs had a, a rough week this past week with DK Metcalf. So We'll kind of see what happens there. But again, maybe that's Drake London that's going to be, you know, going to that side. So one of those two guys could have a good game. And and then you mentioned defensively, just I'll talk quickly on it. Bates and 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 Terrell and uh, Jarrett and, and Campbell, those guys are 
are great. And their defense is tough to read. I haven't watched them in depth yet, but I saw a statistic on Twitter today and I'm going to butcher these numbers, but bear with me because I don't have it written down because I'm an idiot. Uh, but it's like week one, they blitzed like 17 or 18% of the time. And this past weekend against Green Bay, it was like 47% of the time. And it's, it, I guess they're a really tough defense to figure out. They're very unpredictable. They send pressure, whether it's from Bud Dupree or Lorenzo Carter or Abiquetti. They bring a bunch of dudes and then they just have really good coverage. And you have a guy like Jesse Bates. They also have Richie Grant, who came out of Central Florida, who a lot of people liked when yeah. he came out a few years back. So like, They've got some dudes and it's going to be tough, but again, it's, it's, I think it's going to be one of those games that it's three or four points. Whoever, you know, doesn't turn the ball over probably wins this game. And I am, I'm just curious, you know, does Dan Campbell go for it on fourth down as much in this one, or does he start taking some points? We'll kind of see, but I would have to think, I have to think Detroit pulls out on this one. Yeah, they have to, they cannot go to Green Bay one and two. I would hope so. I mean, we were very confident. <laughs> this is we true. Really confident last week, so um, I'm not gonna to try to change the vibes up uh, because I'm one of those dudes. Like if I if I do something good at all, and I'm wearing a shirt, a, a certain kind of a shirt, that shirt is even worn again. So I am not gonna make a prediction because I feel like my confidence um, was a problem for the Lions last week. So I'm not. Uh, I'm, what I'm saying is ridiculous, but I don't care. We're good. good. <laughs> no, I, I, look, you're not getting a prediction out of me this week. I, I, I'm on a wait and see approach. Too many injuries. Let's make sure the coach has got his head on right. Let's make sure players got their head on right after a tough loss. But we'll see yeah. what happens. Fingers crossed they pull it out. But you got anything else for me or, or are we all set here on the We're Detroit good. Lions podcast? We're good. We're good. Right. Maybe we... Uh, Maybe we need to go a little longer on these in the future, or maybe even do two. Yeah, we we can definitely do that. Maybe an offense and defensive side of things. We we can talk about it after the show. And and hey, maybe we'll get some comments on it. So if you you want to see more, comment, comment away. Comment yeah. away. And if, Tell us if what not, you want. yeah, if you don't want to comment on on YouTube, find us on Twitter at Russ NFL Draft at Bischoff underscore Scott. I didn't butcher it this time. You got it. But for Scott, I'm Russ. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. You've had enough of that shit.